You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. We want to welcome everyone to another edition of the Superhero Education Podcast. I'm Eugene. I'm looking across the screen. I see Steve. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing well. It's going to be a great show. Very excited to have Margo with us today. Very excited. And like, so, so before I introduce Margo, I just, I just want to tell everyone like literally how, how these things unfold. So Steve and I, we, we try to record two podcasts. Whenever we do them, we do two podcasts back to back and that'll give us time to, to edit. That'll give us time to, um, give us time to edit. It give us time to do what we need to do. And it gives us time to figure out who we want to interview next. And so uh, we had a conversation. We had two conversations. The, uh, the first conversation was, you know, what is it like either getting skills to interview, um, helping someone interview, and like, how does diversity, and in, it, 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 diversity could be many forms of diversity. Like, how does that play into interviewing? And we, we played around with this idea for about a day. We were eating lunch together, played around with this idea. And then I get this email from Margo. And, and, and Margo is looking to, to make some connections in, in the city uh, uh, for some books and, you know, ask if I knew some people. So we're going back and forth over that. And then I said, and then like literally after all that, I said, Steve, I think I got the person. I, like, I, I think I got the person that could help us out on this. Um, and it's just weird how things unfold. And so how I met Margot, Steve, I don't even think you know this, Steve. You may remember me talking about it, but I don't, I don't think you, you probably didn't make the connection, Steve. So around, shoot, probably one of the last presentations I did right before COVID. Um, Margot and her team, had me come out to the YMCA and like, it's like, I, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, it was Tulsa, New Berlin and, and just YMCA's north of Milwaukee, it seemed like. Yeah, okay, north of yeah. Milwaukee. Yeah, Waukesha County. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they were going through some heavy, heavy training, Steve, heavy, heavy PD. And, you know, I was glad to be a part of it. And, and, and Margo was a leader. And uh, she was a leader there, and she's a leader in her spot now. And and Steve, what I what I found is that, like she's just very passionate, very skilled, and really really works hard to to make sure all stakeholders are at the table for the betterment of everyone. You know how certain people like only want to work with the with the people with the four and the and the rich families, and you know where it's a piece of cake, right? Uh, what I've learned about Margot in a short span of time, she's willing to roll up her sleeves and get to where the work really needs to get to ensure like this, this American dream for all. So Steve, without further inter 
Well, further, without even going any further, I, I want to welcome Margo to Superhero Education Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, when, I, when I gave her like, hey, I think we want to interview. She was like, sure, right away. She was like, yes. <laughs> because Margo, here's the thing. Sometimes we reach out to people, they're like, no, or they have all these like accommodations that need to be made. And, and Margo was like, yeah, we know. Whatever. Sometimes me- Eugene scares them away too. Let's be honest. Sometimes, sometimes it's Eugene that. Uh, so I appreciate you, Margot, uh, being part of the show. Why don't you give us uh, your name, Margot, and, and information on what what your occupation is and, and why that's um, so important to uh, be on the show. So name, occupation, and and really why you're here, and then we'll uh, start digging in with some great questions. Yeah, so um, my name is Margot Baumgarten, um, and wow, that introduction, I don't, that that was, that was so sweet. Thank you so much for that introduction. That means the world to me, and I've, I've worked since my, since my college graduation to kind of hear those words, so I really appreciate that a lot. Um, I, uh, since graduating um, about five or six years ago, um, I kind of dabbled in like the mental health youth and adult nonprofit sectors and um, which led me to the YMCA um, where I met Eugene and uh, that's where I kind of learned to um, how to manage, how to lead, how to hire, how to kind of take it all in and make sure everything is equitable um, with staffing, with kids, with parents um, and all of that. And that's kind of where I um it's not necessarily where I started, but it's where I kind of developed the, the, the passion and just the knowledge that I have now um, on how to do those things, how to lead, how to hire, how to train, how to make sure um, people's needs are met. Because I, like Eugene said, I have worked with a diverse background of people and I love getting on that ground, getting on the ground floor working my butt off for those, for those people and being that front person. And my current role allows me to do that as well. So my current role is an IPS employment specialist, which, which is individual placement and support for adults with um, mental illnesses. Um, and this is something that I am so passionate about. Um, and as a director at the Y, I didn't get that much of. Um, I, I, um, it was more of a general population. And in my current position, I'm dealing with adults who are looking for work, um, who have bipolar, depression, schizophrenia, a lot of substance abuse issues, as well as um, people with criminal backgrounds. Um, and so what I essentially do is I provide that, that um, safe space and that community and that opportunity for them to grow. Because I mean, I could go, I, I, I can't wait to talk about this subject because there is so much behind um, rehabilitation of people who have substance abuse issues and people who have, who have those issues that I just explained. And I think diverse, diversity in the workforce is so important. And I can speak to a lot of experience of hiring LGBTQ um, staff, um, part-time staff, people with um, who have government subsidies who are excited to maybe quit the job that I, that they have with me and go on unemployment or um, that they don't wanna grow. And then there's those staff and those, those people with the background that 
I was fortunate enough to have that supportive financial and emotional um, network and grow into my career. So I, I'm just so excited to talk about this stuff. Um, and thank again, thank you for the, for the wonderful um, introduction and yeah. Steve, let me go first. I see you getting ready, Steve. Steve, let me, yeah. go, let me go first, Steve. All right, so, I'll let you go first. Okay, so, so Margo, like, so how, like, so how does this process work? Do you find the people to work on the skills or are they appointed to you? Like, how does that process work? That, I guess that's like the beginning part. So, so I know Steve want to chime in, but, but how does that, how does that, like the partnership or the pathways that when you begin to work with a person? Like, are, are they, like, is it quarter pointed or they find you or, or you guys hunt to find them? So pretty much it is, um, it is their choice to participate in our program, which is kind of a nice, um, a refreshing aspect is that they choose to. Um, so we're not forcing it upon them. Um, they want to work with us, but basically how they're referred to us is through a referral process of their treatment team. And they say, okay, we want, I want to go back to work. And they say, okay, here's Margo, here's MCFI, Milwaukee Center for Independence, and she's gonna help you get a job and work with your treatment team and work with you so we can coach you and to, to get a, a, to hold a normal job. Gotcha. And, and Margo, so I just wanna remind our listeners, so we're, we're based out of Milwaukee. So when Eugene and Margo are talking about uh, connecting, presenting, being together in the, in the workforce. It's Milwaukee. And we have a national audience. And so as we think that through, this applies to everybody across the country because this is in every state and uh, agencies working, working with the same uh, groups of people and employers that Margo is. I'm thinking as I'm out there with a business or a company or a school, what, what do you see are things, what's the top three things or two things that, that companies should be doing or schools to make sure that they can include all people? When we think of, um, and let's, maybe it's people of uh, different abilities is probably what, what you're talking about or um, other things that you're seeing. How, what can companies do or businesses do or schools do to make sure they're ready to, um, to include all people? I think there's, there are two and um, I, I am realizing this now, but I, I, the first training I had on this was Eugene's uh, presentation that I hired him for. So um, implicit bias training is a great one. Um, I know corporations who are doing it now with their, you know, that the, the white collar corporate America jobs are doing that. Um, and the, the, the major companies that you might see um, target you on social media, they, are, they, are, they should be teaching about implicit bias. And the other one that, um, I mean, we could, I, I could talk a while about implicit bias, but um, I think one of the things that really companies might benefit from, even though they don't think that it might um, impact them, but trauma, trauma-informed, I think, building that empathy is important because you, you can, you can't really give a guidebook on how to steps on how to understand other people. You really have to dive into the meat and potatoes of 
where those people are coming from. So knowing that there's trauma behind substance, substance abuse, knowing that there's trauma behind being a, being a criminal, having a criminal background, knowing that all these traumas are going on, it's, it's easier to step into that implicit bias training and saying, okay, this is why this is happening. And I'm going to change my mindset and I'm going to become more empathetic towards the people that I hire. And also having a good picture of what the company is. So um, I guess, I guess I, I believe I've, I've worked for some companies that are kind of in denial. They think they have the diversity, but it's like, whoa, I've been at companies that have diversity. This is not diversity. So it's kind of like you, the company has to make sure they're not in denial first and then they move forward. Do you um, have a set of companies or organizations that you work with that you steer people to, or is it literally just giving them the skills and they, they go out and seek the employment on their own? The reason why I ask that is because if some organizations aren't like what you just said, I can see an applicant having no chance. Mm-hmm. And, and so is, is there like a, I don't want to say an unwritten partnership, but are there partnerships to push people into certain areas? Yes. So we do build relationships with companies and I, I've only been in the job for a short period of time, but I do know that there have been people um, either in my position before or in a different job development um, part of the company um, who have built those relationships um, throughout the state. Um, we really, the, the position that I'm in right now has a network of, of people from the de, um, Department of Vocation Rehabilitation. So we, have, we span across the state. And so we're able to pull on those networks. Um, and IPS is an, an international um, evidence-based practice. And luckily, what's nice about my position is in my agency, it's new. However, it's, it's been going on for a while. And there's a large network because of that. And so businesses know of us um, and we're not just throwing them cold turkey. Here's a business, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> or here's a client. Right. So what, what skill set to do your job very well? So to be the best in your, in your area, what skill set do you need? Um, for my, for my position, like Correct. my, um, I think networking and being um, well-spoken and uh, making sure there's a story that I have a story and I can communicate that story. And I actually think that that skill, I like to teach the clients because, because um, storytelling can go far in an interview. Yeah. And um, of course, teaching as well, teaching um, the, the skills and then uh, just kind of being open and and not um, not settling and making sure that your clients are getting the best employers and your employers are getting the best clients. Um, be and having that hope uh, and as cheesy as that might sound, having that hope for every single client that I that I coach that I give a job to. Oh, I, that's great. Hope is hope isn't cheesy. That's a good. Uh... That's a really strong word when you're talking about the work you're doing. So what, what, what drives you personally then? Obviously, you're, you, I can tell you're passionate about this. This is what really seems to fit your, uh, 
your God-given talents and abilities. So what, what drives you? What, what gets you going with this? Is it background experience, family? What, what was it that said, this is it? It's a little bit of both. So I started my career um, as, a, in, as a special education major, and um, I essentially decided not to go into teaching. Um, my dad is a teacher or, or was a teacher and was a principal growing up. So I kind of knew what I was kind of getting into. And then, and then by the end of my college career, I was like, look, I love doing all this, but um, parts of it, I feel like I don't believe in. I don't, I, I want to, I want to impact um, someone with special needs or someone from the inner city or an adult with disabilities um, in, in a different capacity. Um, teachers are amazing. They make huge differences. Obviously, I, I believe in what you guys are doing as well. And I don't know too much about your background, Steve, but I, I'm so behind teachers but it wasn't, it wasn't my calling to be in that classroom and to be um, just teaching lessons and um, which teachers don't just teach lessons. I guess I'm going on a ramble. Um, so I guess my, my point is, is that I wanted to reach others in different capacities and making sure that they have those Maslow's of a hierarchy of needs and making sure I wanted to be on the ground. I wanted to be giving back um, because I was very fortunate with my background uh, or with my experience um, with my family, with my supportive family. Um, but I want to make sure that others had those opportunities and seeing that, seeing the, the kids that I've, I've uh, hopefully made an impact on as well as the staff and kind of helping those, those people reach the career levels that I have. When, when you talk about working with your clients, is it, is it more rehabilitation or is it more like just changing the mindset that, that you could actually get this job and perform at a high level? Like, or is it a balance of both? I think it's a little bit of a balance of both. Um, I think teaching those skills, um, but also um, giving them a personal narrative that makes them believe in themselves and makes makes them the, uh, the the second portion that you said is making them believe in themselves so that they can come across and tell that story, tell that positive narrative about how they committed this crime, but they learned and they right. this is the steps I'm gonna take to to be better. Or hey, I um, got drunk the other day and. I completely relapse and th these are the steps that I'm going to take. And I want to bring that out of them. I want to bring that positive out, out of them so that when they're hit with those questions in the interview, with those kind of out of left field questions, um, I want to make sure that they share that in a positive light, but also like um, speaking of which though, uh, it's easy for them. I've noticed with some of the clients that I've already started working with, it's easy for them to overshare. So kind of teaching that, that storytelling, like, Hey, you don't have to share everything and that might dig you a hole, but you can, you can share and you can share and still be honest, if that makes sense. It yep. seems like you're talking directly Eugene when you say don't overshare Margo. 
<laughs> so thank you for thank you for that. <laughs> what is the what what's the biggest issue in mental health? What what's the biggest issue, and what what do we do about it? That's a big question. But what from what you're seeing in 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 your in your lane, professional lane, what's the biggest issue with mental health? So this will be a little bit of a buzzword, but um, the stigma, the, the clear stigma. Um, um, so Aaron Rodgers hurts his ankle on the field and he can't play for, for, I don't know, two games, two very important games, right? Everyone's cheering him on. You can get that ankle fixed. You can do it. And then he gets back on the field and everybody's cheering. He wins the game and everybody is on board with him. Well, what if Aaron Rodgers had a relapse and he's drinking again and he might be drunk at practice? I don't think that that would be cheered on as much to recover and have that back, have, have his back like that. Um, if he were to be recovering from alcohol, then he would be, for recovering from a broken ankle. Um, and I think that is, that is kind of a universal, a universal issue. Um, physical health is really not treated as, or um, mental health is not treated as well as physical health. It's like you have a stamp on your forehead now. It's, it, that's all people can see. Mm -hmm. You have a manic episode. Um, Kanye West has a manic episode. And, and the world thinks he's crazy. And that's, that's who he is now. So that's, that's a long soapbox for me, but. <laughs> no, I like that. I, I like that comparison. I think that's powerful for people to think through and, and reflect on. So, so what can we do about that? Or what do you do about that in your, when you see that? I think if you look, if, if I, if I explain it to someone who um, doesn't understand that mental health is not controllable a lot of the times, that it is, I mean, if you look at it, it's technically a physical, a physical thing. It's a chemical imbalance. There is something physically going on in, in the brain um, that limits them. So if you take it and you make it objective and say, look, this is, this this is what's stopping them. And this is the fact that this is stopping them and it's not their fault. Then maybe somebody might get the picture that physical, um, physical injuries are as important or mental injuries are as important as physical. All right. So there's, there's probably some agencies or organizations, not agencies, some organizations out there, because at some point, you could you could have a whole bunch of great clients, and you and you tap out of businesses to send people to, and um, and you have to approach new territory. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if you've done this yet, but can you just think out loud with us for a minute? So, mm -hmm. how would you try to influence an employer that? is nervous or says, no, 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 no. I, I can't take no, I can't take none of them. And I even hate saying it that way, but that's what they'll say. I can't take none of them. Um, these different, 
they're different from the people we typically hire. Like, how would you try to influence that conversation? I think I would start by kind of saying, hey, like, do you have a second to talk? Because I think this is really important. And I need to be, if, if my client doesn't have a voice in this matter, and you're telling me this, I would like to be that voice for them. So I would want to sit down with them and say, hey, I get it. I completely get it. I have been on the hiring side. I have been told by a coworker that, hey, this person is a job coach in the interview. We shouldn't hire them. I have been told that as the director. Oh. So I get that, but I want, I would want them to know like, hey, I regretted it when my coworker had that influence on me and said, no, we shouldn't, even though I was standing up for them. I want that future employer to say, hey, you might, you, you might regret this because this person has X, Y, and Z skills that not a lot of people have. Um, you can, I mean, there's, there's businesses that are on, like, um, I was watching 60 Minutes and, and there's a whole department in, in, a, in, a, in a, I forgot the company's name, but it's that only hire people with autism because they have that certain skill that nobody else has. So I guess in short, I would tell them that you will regret this if you don't sit down and talk to me about this because there are so many ways we I can accommodate for you and I can help you with this person if you struggle with them. And, and that's, that's a big if because they might not struggle. And that's the coolest part is that knowing, knowing that my client is, doesn't need my help either anymore or at all. Do, do you think, okay so, so, okay, so this is something Steve and I talk about a lot. Sometimes it's, it's a political, sometimes it's a political situation to where they don't actually believe in it, but they're just doing it to take a couple pictures, um, to make it seem like they're inclusive. Mm -hmm. And then you could tell others who really buy into it and it was supported and insulated. Um, and this, this may be an unfair question, but like from the stuff you've seen or been around, like it, like hopefully people really embrace it versus just mm -hmm. checking off a box. Do, do you see the checking off the box or from what you're saying that people are really, you know, like we support this and we wanna, you know, we're, we're intentional with our diversity. Cause that's where this whole conversation started from. Um, last week was like, are people really being intentional? Or are they checking off boxes because of COVID, because of racial unrest, because of whatever. And so, like from what you see, because you you come from a different lane than us, um, mm -hmm. how, how are how are you looking? How do you look at it? I think there are people who, um, I, at least on a personal level, who I've seen check off the box. Um, I don't think it's like an it's an obvious like, hey, like they don't they don't say it out loud, right? But you have a feeling like okay, this this is you saying okay, we have a diverse company. Check okay, that's it. I, it's almost like read between the lines. Like that's what they're thinking. I don't think anyone would come out front and say that. Um, however, I do have friends um, 
who have, who, who have businesses that have made an effort, um, whether it be with, um, with the racial inequities or, um, the gender inequities. I, I have seen my friends go through these trainings on, on big corporation levels, um, which I believe that they, um, I mean, I've, I've watched my friends go through this and I'm, and I'm very impressed at what I'm seeing, um, because there are those companies who don't check off the boxes and I, and, and shame on those companies who check off the box and they think they're done with it. I think it's an evolving process completely. Okay. So continuing along that line, when you think of all the different types of diversity, which one do we, do you think we're really making some huge gains with and which one do you think, when you think of types of diversity, which one do you think, wow, we have a long, long way to go? I was just getting ready to ask something very similar. No, that, that was a better question than Eugene was ready to ask. That was, that was much better framed than your question. Steve, go ahead. you realize I can mute you, right? <laughs> um, that is a, I, I feel like I have a, a lot to say about all of um, the issues that we have a long way to go. I think, um, I think, that's, it's a tough one because I, I, I hate to rank it, right? I don't want to, I don't want to um, kind of dismiss the hardships of any of them. Um, I think, I think the, um, I think we're getting somewhere with um, toxic, the masculinity um, portion, um, whether it be any, any male, any male of any race, I think that we're getting there, except um, I think we have a long way to go with, I think African-American mental illness, as well as African-American men. I think that's a big, I think that we have a long way to go with that. Um, and that is a, th those both things, the mental illness and the male um, in the black community. I think those two things, we have a long way to go because we have to almost deal deal with it. I mean, we have to, I don't know how to say this, sorry. Um, I guess for those those things, I think we, we have a long way to go, but I think with um, women, I think that's the word where we've come far for women, um, white women um, in particular. Um, I think black women is, 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 a, is a whole nother topic as well, but I think the masculinity part, I think we're getting somewhere, but I think the more specific you get, the harder, the, the longer we have to go, if that makes sense. Are, are you seeing, like for LGBTQ, like mm -hmm. um, probably tonight we're gonna release um, a show um, that we did on LGBTQ. So this is like a, like a good question. Like same question, but same question Steve asked you, but just with an LGBTQ emphasis, how, how do you see that kind of playing out in the workforce as far as yeah. resistance, accepting? So um, I don't know if you remember this, Eugene, but in I your- do. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Okay. Um, so in your presentation that you gave at the Y, I had a staff, or there was a staff member who raised their hand and said, hey, I'm a part of the LGBTQ community and I feel really accepted. 
Um, that was kind of a very proud one of mine because that was my staff. Um, and uh, it's, it was, I think we are getting far um, in the LGBTQ, but I think, I mean, there's, there's a lot of letters in that acronym, right? There's a lot of factors. So I think we are getting, we are getting there with um, certain aspects like uh, lesbians and gays that, but I think the understanding of being trans, the understanding of, of um, being pansexual, all of those, that, that, that wide spectrum of sexualities, I think we still have a long way to go. Um, but when I, I mean, I don't think, um, I was just talking to my husband about this, that when I um, interviewed someone and I wanted to offer them the job, I had to ask them, do you, do you prefer, what, what pronouns do you prefer? Because they had two names on their application. And I wasn't sure, so I wanted to politely ask. And they said, wow, thank you. Like, I really appreciate you doing that. And so I don't, I think that's a very odd, I, I think that not many people who are hiring have to ask that. Right. So I think as we, as we evolve, I think we, that should be the norm. Like asking someone, especially if you're unsure and not just saying, oh, that's a male's name. Like, oh, um, I, uh, Ale it could be Alexandra, it could be Alexander, it, it, you know, so. Do, yeah. do you, do you, Steve, what, can, let me hop in, Steve, one more. Sure. Do you see anything with, like, and I know this is like hard from your seat, but Steve and I often say, and this is from personal experience, like, we, like, we, like we've seen this recently. So if you like, so like if, if there's no diversity of anything on a interview team, interview panel, it's less likely to, it's less likely to get a hire of a diverse candidate. Mm -hmm. I mean, Steve, we just, we just saw this. We're, we're clearly, we're, we're clearly, there's an individual that was perfect, but there just was just some, I don't know if the word was friction or barriers, or like when you have a team that just all thinks on the same page, literally at times that will allow you to have the best candidate escape from out of your hand. Um, because there's no could diverse be, thinking. Could be lack of comfort level even, right? Because I'm not, yeah, I'm not used to, I'm not used to that. So I'm not even comfortable. So I'm going to default to the comfort. And I think that's what we see a lot of times. But yet it stays as the company or the organization's point is they always want diversity and always want it in a strategic plan or the, or outward facing, but then the, the actions or the tactics inside don't match that. I, I, I'm interested to just go back to the uh, LGBTQ and the, and the different pronouns. And, and, and I think that's the mismatch a lot of times. I think organizations or companies are going to, they're going to have to figure out how, as, as we're hiring more, more diversity, there's a mismatch a lot of times because they're going, 
I don't want to ask that person that question. That may, A, that may not be in my, uh, maybe I just don't want to do it. Well, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I may offend. Maybe I want to do the wrong thing. Maybe it's my value system. Or maybe, I don't like it. I don't like that person. Correct. Maybe it could be even, what if that's, what if that person, Margot, changes that tomorrow? Is it legally, Margot, or what's the legal process? Because I have to fill out all these forms for taxes and, and making sure their income statements and everything else in their payroll. And what if Margot tells me what she wants to be? Uh, just I'm picking a name, Martin. And then that's not, that's what it is today. But then tomorrow, next week, it changes. I got to have something for the... Uh, for the IRS and everything. So I think that's, that's causing organizations and companies some major um, problems or, or to mismatch. So I keep thinking about how we can make sure that that matches or, and I don't know if we can, right? How do we, how do we match that? Do you have any thoughts with that, Margo? Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I wanna put out there also that it wasn't the most comfortable thing for me to do. I, I I'll be totally honest. I've never had to ask that question before. I never had to do that. I mean, I had a, I had a hunch, right? But I can't, I have an implicit bias, but I can't act on that. I can't just assume. Um, and it was, I mean, it was a moment of, wow, this is new to me. This is uncomfortable. I'm just going to say it because I need to. And I, I feel, I feel like they need to be respected like this. Um, so when it comes to, I, I guess for, sorry, I totally lost your question. Um, well, I was just thinking of the mismatch of the company where, where the company may say, um, that's, that's what you want, but I need official, you know, documentation oh. or I need, or it's a mismatch with the values of the company mm -hmm. or, or that person in general. How do you answer that? Or how do you navigate that? I think it's a complete cop out. I think it's, it's the way when I hired that person, we had no issues. My HR team wasn't worried about it. I, I believe their legal name was not their correct identity, but there was, there was no, there was no worry behind that. I mean, I was lucky that we were, we had an accepting team at that point. Um, that no one else treated them different. No one else asked. Um, and they were who they were, not even the parents, not even the parents who I was, that was the part that I was most worried about was the parents and the parents didn't even care. Um, and they loved the person. So I think saying that it, there's legal issues or obligations that we have to meet, I think that's a complete cop out. All right, so where do you see, if we had this conversation five years from now, and it's kind of hard to predict, right? But are we in a better spot five years from now or is it literally the same thing? Or is it worse for the population that you work with? I mean, I would, I would hope it would be better, um, obviously. That's why I'm in what I do, because I want it to be better. Um, that is a very hard question. Uh, 
I think specifically things like prison reform are actually on the back burner of a lot of politicians' worries. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was as upfront um, like it was. I, I don't mean to get political. I, I, <laughs> I don't think it was as upfront um, um, before and after Obama visited the prison. Um, I think that moment was great. But I think everything before and after it, I don't think anything changed. Um, and that's the unfortunate part. Um, as for as for things like drugs and alcohol and substance abuse, I think it'll get better. Um, I think the issues will come to the forefront. Um, and I think I think there there is some awareness that is that has started and is growing um, and some empathy. Um, I talk about this every once in a while with with the my generation um, in the workforce. I feel like we are more transparent um, with our bosses, with our coworkers, um, sometimes to a fault. So I think that um, transparency might grow like the mental within the mental health realm too and saying hey boss I am I had an anxiety attack last night I think that I think there are certain mental health issues that will be better now do I think that schizophrenia will be widely accepted in five years probably not but do I think depression and anxiety will probably I hope so I I hope you're correct I, I, I really do let me ask you this one. This is um, this is more of a somewhat personal question, but I think the listeners need to need to hear you answer this one. Mm-hmm. So, your job I look at in the same umbrella as a teacher, although it's not. I look at it as the same umbrella, uh, but you're dealing with some heavy, heavy powered stuff that could weigh on an individual. Um. How do you manage to like turn it off when you go home? Because I can see like these thoughts and emotions uh, going from work to home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of teachers, a lot of people in general struggle with just turning it off or compassion, compassion fatigue. That someone else is dealing with this. Now I, I have that, that emotion or that feeling is transferred over to me. I, what's your process because I, I love asking educators that question because I think that's something we all overlook and mm-hmm. it could really infiltrate our worlds um, positive neg- and negatively on the clock and off the clock so how do you like what do you do to as a release um, to keep your mental health in the appropriate spot um, like like what what do you what's your process yeah well, I would, I would definitely lie if I said that I had, I never took things home, um, especially in the early part of my career. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would take home would be um, the people I managed. I was worried about the people I managed that were working on the shift um, after, after five o'clock or after six o'clock. I would worry about the, the, the clients who were there 24 seven um, at the group home or were there, 
um, or kids that wouldn't be picked up on time because their parent had an issue um, that was quite very deep um, or uh, things like calling CPS. Those things followed me home, definitely. I, however, I have learned um, to kind of, uh, I, think, I think a teacher actually taught me this, um, put in a box, mm-hmm. mentally picture a box, mm-hmm. put it in that box and put it on a shelf. Um, I think that was the, was the best, uh, best advice that has followed me to this day. I think I got it in high school, the advice. Um, and the other thing, I mean, besides having a support system, I think that's incredibly important, um, especially with the person you live with. Um, but also, um, in COVID times, uh, work from home had not been, it has, it's it I have to make sure I get out of the house um when I was uh when I had like a day or two off I would have to make sure that I got out of the house or um when I was quarantined and furloughed I had to make sure that I I actually door dash for a little bit just drive around driving is a huge therapy for me so with this new job I am going into the office I'm choosing to go in the office safely safely um, of course, with masks and hand sanitizer and all the works. But those, those, those two things, the putting in the box, the getting out of the house, having that fresh air, even if it's winter, going on a walk, um, making sure I have those outlets and then that support system, which I have been lucky to have that support system, excuse me, um, throughout many facets of my life. But, um, and yeah, I think those, those things are major and obviously working out and eating right, those things. Um, but I think at the root, um, if you're not eating well and not, um, working out, I think those things might help balance that out. Um, and then sleeping sleep has been having a constant sleep routine. I mean, yeah. So all of those things really. I'm sitting here taking I'm glad you you were talking to Eugene about the eating well. He, he eats too much candy. So it seems like you were talking directly to him when you were saying that. So thank you for that. <laughs> Wait, I have, why are you always putting me into this? It, it seemed like she was talking directly to you. So I thought she was talking was, to you. That was well appreciated. <laughs> I have, uh, as we're winding down the podcast here, I have one more question. What and this is a bigger future question as well. What what do you think the role of technology, artificial intelligence, as we get in that world, how does that factor into what you're doing day to day? Um, I think for my clients, there will be either less or harder opportunities um, in the workforce. Um, things being automated on uh, I don't know, assembly lines, for example. Um, the office that I work at uh, has has, um, is actually attached to a warehouse, which um, it's a different department. Um, it works with more developmental disabilities. Um, so they're working on assemblies and, and, and packaging food. So if that were to be automated by artificial intelligence, they wouldn't have a job. I mean, granted, I think, I think they would still have a job because it's part of our agency and that's what we do. Um, I don't think we would kick them out of a job. Um, but other companies who do those similar things 
they might be like, oh, this is more cost effective. This is more efficient. We need, we, we should have AI. And I think, I think, and then moving those, those clients out of a job and then with the harder aspect, okay, people who need to do the coding for, for those AI for, and the background experience, they need more advanced skills than my clients might have. Yeah, thank you. All right, so Margo, you've passed the test. All right, so we're, 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 awesome. slowing, we're slowing down and, and here's how the show always closes out. So this is like a shout out type section. And so anybody you wanna give a shout out to or if you have any people to recognize or any coworkers or events or things that you have personally, this is the space. You know how people say, well, we gonna have you come on but you can't talk about this. We're not like that. You can talk about whatever you wanna talk about. If you wanna talk about Steve's shirt, that you like his shirt, <laughs> I mean, I personally wouldn't do it, but if you want to, it's, it's, this is whatever you want. And so it goes like this, Margo. I'm going to go first. Steve's going to go second, and you're going to go third. Okay. Okay? Okay. All right. So I want to give a shout out to everyone listening. Uh, we, we, we thank Margo for coming on to the show and giving us um, a high level of expertise. And um, it, it, it's, it's, much, it's very much um, appreciated. Uh, I mean, she... She said she's on board right away and we appreciate that because often the, the reality is that um, some people don't get back and you're wondering like, did you get the message? Did you not get the message? So we, we definitely appreciate you and your eagerness and professionalism. Um, I wanna give a shout out to, oh, not a shout out, but I wanna point everyone into the direction. Go to amazon.com. The book Superhero Educator is on amazon.com. Uh, you order it today. Off Amazon, it may not get there before Christmas, but it'll definitely get there before New Year's Eve. And every educator needs to start the new year fresh. So we make sure you get that book. Last but not least, um, I'm working on this like project. And so this is my first time talking publicly about it. Um, I'm working on um, uh, something I created called um, the Black Excellent Speaker Series that will begin January 30th. We'll be offering professional development with the best of the best presenters. Uh, we'll have four presenters every Saturday morning. Um, just got the first two flyers and it's looking good. Um, so like, please save the date January 30th, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. You're gonna see some magical stuff, magical stuff. So I'll stop there because I don't wanna spill all the beans. Steve, it's on you. I look forward to that as well. That sounds outstanding. I want to thank Margo for her honesty and a lot of tough questions and you had to really reflect and, and figure out um, just uh, what, is, what is your thoughts on it and, and to be honest with the insights and reflections. So I appreciate that. Uh, I thought initially you said it was a sweet introduction. I thought you were saying Eugene was sweet at first. So that would have taken a that would have been a misdirection for the podcast, but sweet intro introduction, it definitely was. And I appreciate, I appreciate that, Margo. I'd like to give a shout out to the Center for Urban Education Ministries. The Center for Urban Education Ministries is doing some great stuff across the nation in, in strengthening urban schools. So get connected at www.cuemnational.org. So cuemnational.org. 
And Margo, how would you like to close it out? What shout out do you have for us? Okay, well, I want to, first of all, thank, thank both of you for um, a wonderful interview. Very, uh, I, I, I've learned, I'm learning a lot and I've, I, I still, um, one of my, uh, Eugene's uh, presentation at the Y was one of my favorite uh, career moments. Um, and, and I'm so glad we got to connect here again. And I hope that we can connect in the future as well. Um, and I, I guess I would just like to give a shout out to um, my kind of my Milwaukee friends, my Milwaukee network. I only have been living here for about three or four years. Um, and it's and that network, uh, Anne, Darlin, Caitlin, um, and, uh, and um, a lot of uh, all the professional connections I've made, Nicole. Um, and yeah, so, so that's, and, and my new job, my new job, I'm loving it. I'm loving it, so. So you're going to get in trouble. Once you start naming people, it's always someone you forget. That's why I try not to name names. I'm like, it's everybody. Somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody's going to email you. You forgot about me. <laughs> it always, it all, it always happens. But we, we definitely appreciate you uh, hopping on to the show. Um, after, after we end, hang on for a few minutes. Don't click off. Hang on for a few minutes, Margo. Um, okay. um, but we thank all the listeners out there. And remember, you can catch our podcast. You can catch it on Spotify. You got a Spotify account. You can catch us there. We're on Apple. You can catch us there. And if you're looking for the freest of the free version, you can check us out on Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Um, and you can see our whole catalog of shows. We, we definitely uh, thank the listeners and the subscribers out there because um, we, we, we do this for you all. We try to give you the best of the best of the interviews and, and the people that are interesting to, to give us good content. So we hopefully... Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Uh, hopefully you have a have a happy holiday season. Um, Margo put a lot on our brains to think about, so um, we we gonna we gonna ponder, we gonna ponder, and and all be better. So on that note, we are out. Thanks again for listening to our superhero education podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator.